We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Riggert. It's a pleasure to have you along. Let's talk to Shane Metlin now from the Daily News Record as he is their investigative reporter now, I believe. <laughs> he covers JMU and uh, covers JMU basketball and football as well. But uh, you camping out at the airport these days? Uh, a little back and forth. Luckily, I don't live too far from there, so it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, been fine. No, you don't. Well, I guess, yeah. what's the latest you're hearing right now? Obviously, that there was a plane yesterday that that, uh, that flew around, went to Worcester, Mass., up to New Jersey, and, and came back with the same crew as you were reporting yesterday. But um, what do you know right now? Uh, you know, that's really, like, all I know is a solid fact is, yes, they, they, went, to, they went to Worcester, which is where Holy Cross is when they're coached by – Bob Chesney, whose name that's been tossed around really since the beginning of the opening here. Um, that plane stopped in in New Jersey, right outside New York City, um, on the way back from Wooster. And I, I don't really – can only speculate on the reason for that. Um, and then they came back to Harrisonburg, um, you know, with four – People, including Jeff Bourne, who were all in a very good mood when they got off the plane. And uh, yeah, so now it's just kind of wait and see what happens. And again, Mr. Bourne said he had a good day. Is that right? He, he did say that. They were all, you know, they were all smiling, joking, uh, you know, making making some jokes to me, but not giving me any information when they <laughs> got off the plane. But, um, you know, it didn't look like there was any disappointment on anyone's face. I'll say that. Uh, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully that continues. But we're talking to Shane Metlinger from the Daily News Record. And obviously Bob Chesney does look like he's the number one target. Who knows? Um, if they did stop in in New Jersey, outside of New York City, it might have been at Rutgers where Joe Harrisimiak is, and he's a defensive coordinator at Rutgers. Is he is – he, or do you feel like those are the two top candidates right now for the job? You know, I felt like they were probably at least two of the top four a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago, from what I'd heard, they they kind of come up with a top four um, candidates. I was pretty sure those two were among the top four. Um, you know, as far as you know, Harrisimiak, you know, whether that's a reason for them to stop in New Jersey or not. I really don't know. Right. I've talked to some people at Rutgers. They don't really know. Um, you know, they, they think he's probably, probably in line to, you know, leave there for a head coaching job at some point. Um, but you know, whether or not he's heavily involved in this JMU job, I don't know. I, I mean, another name to possibly consider, not necessarily for the head coaching job from what I've heard is Corey Heatherman. Right. The former JMU defensive coordinator is up at Rutgers as a defensive assistant, and you know possibly that there may be some connection with him and um, Chesney is something I've heard. I don't know that for sure, but the possibility of maybe them stopping there for Heatherman rather than um, Harrisimiak, I think is you know that's not necessarily off the table. And yeah. you know I've heard that you know he's. Heatherman possibly misses Harrisonburg a little bit. Um, I know he still has some ties to this area, uh, like financially. Like he still um, has a home here, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he still owns a property. And, in fact, he, he, he purchased a property about a month after he took the Rutgers job. He purchased a property <laughs> in Harrisonburg. So w- whatever that means, I don't know. But, you know, perhaps that stop – Perhaps that stop had nothing to do with interviewing any coaches. Perhaps it had something to do with one of those two guys. I don't know. And that's the one thing, and again, social media now and on 
Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, people are saying that, that Bob Chesney does follow <laughs> Corey Heatherman on, on Twitter, and there's that connection. And, and again, uh, we'll put it all together at some point in time. But let, yeah. let's let's go to Bob Chesney because we do know that the, the, the plane went to Worcester yesterday. That's where Holy Cross is, and obviously his name is pretty hot right now. And, and, and you mentioned it. It's kind of been one of the big names – when Coach Signetti left, I mean, this is one of the the top candidates I think for this job, and and has been since day one. What are, are you thinking? He's the top candidate right now. I think so. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, he's he's a big name. They went twelve and one in twenty twenty two, and you know, I, honestly, I <laughs> I cover these teams, and I kind of keep a list just in case these openings ever happen. I had him on the list you know, a couple of years ago as someone who would make a lot of sense. And, you know, he's continued on five straight Patriot league titles when Holy cross, I think had won maybe five or six in their entire history before he got there. Um, so, I mean, he's done a great job there. He's, he's a younger guy with a lot of enthusiasm seems to, you know, uh, seems to be a guy the players really like you watch a video of him at practice. And, you know, honestly, uh, his demeanor at practice reminded me a lot of Tino Sinceri's mm-hmm. <laughs> at practice, you know, just kind of watching those guys and, you know, um, maybe even look a little bit alike. So, you know, I, I think if he's the choice, JMU fans will probably like him quite a bit, but you know, as of right now, <laughs> it, it can't say for 100% sure he's the guy. Right. Do, do you feel like they're, they're uh, obviously they flew up there and, and this is, this is, uh, it does look like it's somebody they're trying to pursue. Are there some holdups or is there anything that that's not getting this done right away? I don't know. I mean, I tend to think that if they flew up there with the group that they flew up with, that that was probably too, to try, try to figure out the best way to phrase this, but you know, Typically, the way these things go, if you fly up with the AD and some other people that are kind of along the lines of these are people you will need to know if you have this job, right. a lot of times, a lot of times that's the final step. And you know, I can't say for sure that it was, but you know, just typically knowing how coaching searches work, when when you go to them and you bring kind of a welcoming party, that's usually a good sign that the deal is close to done. Any other names besides Harasimiak and and uh, Chesney that that could be on the periphery that that maybe could pop up if things fall through? Yeah, I mean, I I think Manny Diaz was probably involved in this uh, at some point. You know, I can't say for one hundred percent sure, but when when I was hearing that they were down to four, basically, um, his was a name that kept coming up. I mean, there's some others that get like a little bit. Um, that get a little um, mixed in there as well, um, like that I wasn't ever quite as solid on. Um, Delane Fitzgerald uh, from Southern Utah, he's a JMU alum. I know he interviewed. I think he was in the mix, but maybe not in the top four. Um, so beyond that, I don't know for sure. You hear names like um, Rich Rodriguez. Um, even Jerry Kill got mentioned to me once mm-hmm. by someone who um, – Maybe kind of new, but then backtracked on that a little bit. So, uh, who the fourth one was, I'm not 100% sure, but I think those three were probably definitely in that top four. Yeah, I'd heard some Jerry Kill uh, rumors as well. Again, he, he did a good job at New Mexico State. He's done a good job throughout his career. He's a, he's a Kansas native. That, that you, you and I kind of know, yeah. know his roots back to, to where he started at Pittsburgh State, but uh, 
he's a guy that uh, did a great job at New Mexico State this past year. So, again, we'll kind of see what happens. Do you feel like there will be an announcement with a plane, again, scheduled to leave tomorrow? Do you feel like there will be an announcement here in the next couple of days? I would think in the next couple of days. I mean, there's probably just some things to finalize. I'm sure, you know, if anybody's leaving a job, um, you know, you've got things that you have to take care of there as on your way out, um, you know, some people really like to, you know, meet with their players and everything before it gets out might be a reason for the tight lips around JMU. Um, even though I'm sure they would like to announce it if a job was done or at least leak it, but they don't seem prone to do that. Right. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record talking about the coaching coaching search right now. And I guess what are your thoughts on on what's taking place? And I haven't really talked to you since this has all, all happened and, and Coach Signetti all of a sudden uh, bolts for Indiana. Um, he's got his press conference. He's he's kind of going Pat McAfee show at Indiana a, a little bit, um, was going to coach the bowl game, and then they decided, now nah, well, I think we'll have uh, our current staff and Coach Robo and, and the rest of the guys that are left coach uh, what, what are your thoughts on all that that took place in a matter of about <laughs> 72 hours or so yeah i mean it it was a wild uh time and you know i think maybe just how quickly things happened with kurt as far as leaving and you know heading to indiana that was a little bit surprising um i, I know everybody wants to move fast but you know Really, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I would have kind of expected him to maybe keep a keep an eye on this carousel and see maybe what other jobs open up, and you know, not not, not to disparage Indiana, but right. you know, I kind of always thought, you know, not that he was going to stay at JMU forever, but that when he did leave, it would be for a place that probably would set him up to win right away. Yeah. And, and maybe you can do that at Indiana, but it, it, I don't think that's necessarily a slam dunk. So. That part of it probably surprised me the most that he moved that quickly on sort of a lower tier power five job. I agree with you on that. And then just the whole he was he's going to coach the bowl game. And then he in his press conference, he's just like, oh, 90, 10. I'll be there a couple days before the bowl. I'll coach the bowl. And then obviously the, the folks here probably weren't real impressed with that. And then they went with Robo and, and only the, the other three guys that are left. But that's the one thing that, that is it's kind of heartbreaking for the players right now. I mean, they're going to give it their all. They're going to try and win this game, but there's so much there there's so many things against them right now. They only have four full-time coaches that are still there. They're going to bring some guys in to help out. Nick Kidwell's going to help out. Other guys are going to help out, but it's just not the same with so many coaches going with coach Signetti to Indiana. Yeah, that that's going to be tough. I mean, especially I mean, you and I have talked about this previously, just the two of us that, you know, not only that, you're getting ready for Air Force, which is right. like probably <laughs> the most difficult team in the in the entire bowl field to prepare for. So, I mean, it it's going to be tough. Um, you know, that's one thing, though, I do wonder. So, if, if they make a hire here in the next couple of days, how much does that coaching staff right. then start to help prepare for the bowls? I, I don't know if they, you know, they make that a priority, if they make just recruiting and all the other transitional stuff, a priority, um, you know, cause I, I just don't know how you handle that as far as if, if there's a new head coach in place soon, like how much he actually focuses on getting ready for a bowl game as opposed to, you know, some of the other parts of the job. Yeah. Cause we've seen it in different places where, where a coach has coached the bowl game or they've been hands off until after the bowl game. And in this situation, you kind of wonder what it will be. Um, and who he brings with him, if he hires the staff right away, or what happens. So, again, this will be kind of fascinating, especially with almost three weeks still until the bowl. They, they've got like two and a half weeks or so until that bowl game, so they still have some time. It's not like they're playing the 16th or, or something like that, so they have a little bit more time. 
Um, but it'll be interesting to see what, what does happen. Do you feel, and again, coaching changes happen all the time, but with all these guys going in the portal, and I know Coach Robo even told me yesterday that he expects all these guys to still play in the bowl game. I, I still have a hard time believing that. <laughs> Just in the best interest of those guys, if they're going to go somewhere else, maybe they'll stick around. Who knows? But will this set back the program with, with this coaching change and so many coaches leaving and, and everything and just recruits now reopening their recruitment? And will this set the program back at all? I mean, I think there's always that possibility. But I think if you, if you make the hire the right guy, then long-term you're probably in great shape. Probably the biggest setback is looking at next year where, you know, if everybody stays in place, coaches and the vast majority of the players, you're looking at a situation where JMU, you know, they potentially finish 12 and one this year, maybe somewhere around number 20 in the country, you know, and you're heading into next year with all that momentum and a lot of really good players coming back. And, you know, you're probably the favorite for that, you know, that group of five playoff spot going into next year, if you could have similar kind of success keeping that immediate momentum going might be extremely tough because you're probably going to have a lot of new players. You're going to have a new coach. You're going to have a lot of things, but I do feel like a good coach coming into JMU is probably set up to continue to be very competitive in the Sun Belt, probably win more than they lose next year. Um, and then continue to be like one of the better programs in the Sun Belt for years to come. But I think I think the toughest part is just that, like you know, you were really set up <laughs> right. to have a really big year next year, and, and now maybe that's not going to happen. I did see somebody again. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the DNR. I saw something the other day. I think it was yesterday that people kind of forget again. Liberty lost their coach last year to, to Auburn. Jamie Chadwell comes in. It was almost the same situation where they lost about eleven, twelve, thirteen guys to the portal, transferred. And obviously, people can can knock Liberty all they want. They still won every game this year. So yeah. I, I know the schedule wasn't great, but well, I don't care. They still won every game this year in a bad league, a bad schedule. I get it. But but Jamie Chadwell was able to keep that train rolling. So it's not impossible to lose a bunch of guys and change things up and still be successful. It's the one thing that I think Jamie fans have to remember. Yeah, and I mean, you re- we'll remember, I mean, we're th- – we're talking about they're going to be so good because a guy like, you know, Elijah Surratt is coming back. Right. But, you know, he was a newcomer last year through the portal. Like, you know, so there's a cycle to these things. And there's the new coach, you know, if he if he's getting the job done, the new coach is going to bring in some studs right away too, no question. Yep. To, to play. And, you know, um, so it, we'll see what happens. I mean, that's, I think that's the scary and exciting thing right now. No, if you're a JMU fan, is that you know a lot of things could happen, some good and some bad, here in the next few weeks. And um, you know, I think JMU is going to be fine as a program. But you know, like I said, just just knowing that you know you were so close this year, and then would have been probably in the driver's seat next year. Mm-hmm. And that might be off the table. That that that's got to be a little bit tough to swallow. Yeah, that's staying. There's no doubt because I mean the roster. There may be major change in the roster. This could be a much different roster, yeah. but it doesn't mean that it's not going to win. But but yeah. yeah. But you're right. They were set up for a great spot that first year of the 12 team playoff. But again, we'll see what happens. Maybe they still will be. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the DNR, and obviously this just came out this morning. Um, Charlie Baker, the <laughs> president right now of 
the NCAA. He came out and is looking to potentially have a subdivision for the FBS in which they, again, the, the highly the highly resourced schools will kind of have their own subdivision. What do you make of this here early on? I guess uh, he's proposing the creation of a new FBS subdivision that would allow the highest resource schools to compensate athletes directly through a trust as well as NLI. Could that be where, again, there was FCS and there is FCS and FBS, 1A, 1AA. Could there be a little subdivision now um, at the FBS level? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of questions about that, you know, honestly. <laughs> and again, this like, just happened. Before we can, like, speak, you know, very, very authoritatively on it because, like, you know, it it sounds good in theory in some ways. It sounds awful in theory in other ways. And right. I just, I don't know, you know, exactly what it means. They're talking about, you know, $30,000 per player minimum, but no, no real, uh, discussion on if there's a cap on that i don't know if you know players who sign on to these programs then um are they is that what they get or are they you know are they signing on to like only work for their school or are they still able to like make their own nil deals um because i think that would make a huge difference as far as whether or not you know these mid-major programs can continue to compete then um and then are we talking about moving, you know, a couple of conferences over or the power four conferences, or if, if like say a JMU and a Liberty say, Hey, look, we spend closer to what some of these lower tier power five teams do than, you know, the bottom of our conference, maybe we should just move up too. I don't know how that works for like, is it an open invitation for anybody who wants to do it? I, there's a lot of questions right now for me that, um, I think it'll be really interesting to see to, to see just what the answers to these are, and you know what this all means. Yeah. Now, again, this just happened this morning, so this is all brand yeah. new. So we'll kind of see we'll, we'll we'll see how this plays out because uh, I think a lot of people have a lot of questions right now as to what's going on. But again, we're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. And let's talk a little hoops as well. Um, both teams got victories on, on Sunday. James Madison's men now up to number 18 in the country, which is really hard to believe that they're ranked 18th right now. But, you know, as I look at it, and, and obviously they've played really well. They're 8-0. They've got some good wins. Uh, they're, this is a good basketball team. As you look at the Sun Belt, it doesn't seem as strong as it was a year ago. And I know I think App State's really good. They beat, they beat Auburn on Sunday. But after those two, it does seem to drop off quite a bit. Do you feel like this could be a situation where just because of where they are in the net rankings right now, where they are in the, the national rankings, that if they could they could only lose two or three games in the Sun Belt, that they could get an at-large bid? I, yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, I guess that's kind of the debate. If, if, uh, if the net rankings kind of hold similar to what they are now, there's obviously going to be some flux. But if you look at it, are you better off having – you know, two top 40 ish teams like JMU and app state, as opposed to a handful of top 100 teams that you had last year, which didn't get you really into the mix of a second, second bid. But, you know, maybe you're better off a little bit, like having JMU and app having that opportunity to play them, play each other's, you know, quad one, quad two type games. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. As a whole, the league definitely doesn't feel as strong as it did last year. Um, but but JMU and App State are off the really really impressive starts. They both look really good. Um, but it's just you know the plan. 
the plan, the the whole model for for the league was designed on hey, schedule games so that we can win sixty percent of our non conference games, and and that didn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. look like it's going to happen because a lot of teams are struggling more than maybe they were expected to this season. So, in some ways, it seems like it's a down year for Sunbelt hoops. But then at the same time, you're looking at you know a team that's in the top twenty and another team that. You know, if they continue to win, I think it's probably going to be like starting to get votes potentially. Yeah, I mean, so they, they, could, they so, could even though it's a down year, they could get two teams in the tournament if, if both those two teams continue to play well. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it like I like I was trying to say, like, are are you better off having you know <laughs> your team, your best team, play a bunch of teams ranked around 150, right? <laughs> or are you better off with you know two top 50 teams? playing each other three times and just building their own resumes. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of how that works out uh, as far as the net and everything else goes. You, do you like what you're seeing right now to this men's team? Obviously, the coach wasn't happy how they played against Buffalo, still picked up a win. It's hard to tell. I mean, they, they hammered Keystone. But but this team has all the makings of, of putting together a really, really good season. I think Saturday is a big game at ODU. They'll be up for that. That's still a pretty talented team despite their record. They've, they've played a pretty challenging schedule. But if they can go there and win, they'll likely be undefeated going into Sunbelt play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, the ODU game is – it is the toughest one before conference play, and you know, reminder to everybody that that first ODU game is not a conference it's a game. Conference game, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think you know that'll be a tough one because you know they get good crowds over there anyway. I'm sure on a Saturday night they're going to be up for that for one, yeah. a top twenty rival yeah. coming in. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's sold out. And you know, pretty raucous. I'm sure there'll be a good number of JMU fans there too. But um, that's going to be an incredible environment, and you know, a tough one for JMU. But yeah, if they if they get through that, like they could really start racking up a lot of wins here. Yeah. Because, like you said, it it's just a good team. Terrence Edwards is playing about as well as anybody in the country right now. TJ Bickerstaff has been just he's, an incredible. He's addition. getting better and better too. I mean, he's getting assists. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's he's playing really well. Yeah, and I mean, he's just, I, I mentioned this to somebody else the other day, he's a pro, not just in the sense that he's probably going to get paid to play basketball somewhere next year, but also just the way he handles himself and talks to 100%. the media and talks yep. to his coaches Absolutely. and his teammates and everything. He just carries himself that way, which is not surprising given his you know family history of right. you know connections to the NBA and everything, but you know, I think he was just an incredible addition this off season. And, and you know, Michael Green, when well, you got a, they haven't really had a point guard like that who is a pass first guy, but is also a really good shooter. And you know, I think adding him too to the mix just you mm-hmm. know really gives them another dimension that they haven't had the last couple seasons. Yeah, this is this has been a, this this team has something different than than past years. It's just something different, but they're playing really well right now. They play at ODU coming up on Saturday. Women are 6 and 3. They're shooting terrible right now. That <laughs> they found a way to beat Wake Forest. Um they're they're a little up and down right now, aren't they? Yeah, I I went down to Liberty. Uh, <laughs> you got to witness I, I that, that one was too. On Friday. I, I can't keep my day straight at <laughs> right, this point, but uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, I went down there to Liberty, and that was just one of the weirdest games I've seen in a long time. They got they just absolutely absolutely dominated Liberty on the glass and had twenty two offensive rebounds and didn't have a, a second chance point. I, I'd never seen anything <laughs> like that. And, That's like and impossible. You're talking about like <laughs> you know going up for those putbacks. 
and them going off the backboard and not touching the rim. I mean, it was just something I'd never seen before. Um, it, it was it was a weird showing. Sean was not happy after that one. He was much, much better after uh, after the Wake Forest game. And I think not just because they won that one. I think even if they had, like, you know, not pulled it out, I think he'd have been feeling a lot better about the way, way they played. Because it's funny, after the Liberty game, he told me, he's like, when we're not shooting like this, we've got to figure out a way to win these games 55-53. And then that ended up being the exact score of their next game. So, uh, you know, I think he was pretty pleased that they, they figured out a way to win that one. Almost let us slip away, but yeah, they did find a way to win and made some plays down the stretch. But again, they are 6-3. and three. They're back in action Thursday as they host William and Mary um, inside the Atlantic Union Bank Center. All right, I'm going to let you get back to your investigative reporting. Um, you're all over the place right now. But you can read more of uh, Shane's stuff. Go to his Twitter, Shane underscore DNR Sports. Also, again, go to DNRonline.com slash sports. Pick up the paper as well. Shane, thank you so much as always. We'll catch up again soon. All right, thanks, Dave.